Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Inside Nebraska podcast. He's Steve Marek. I'm Zach Carpenter. And today we're talking assistant Steve. Uh, Matt Rule is starting to fill out his staff pretty quickly, uh, as we expected, hitting the ground running in Lincoln, filling out that coaching staff, 10 full-time assistants, and a head strength coach are the main positions. He has five of the, he has six of those 11 positions filled, five of the on-field roles and a head strength coach. Um, Just running through these, by by the time you're watching this, listening to this, uh, you already know the names, but Going from uh, from top to bottom, um, obviously Matt Rule is the head coach, and then going offense, you got Marcus Satterfield as the offensive coordinator, and EJ Barthel as the running backs coach, Terrence Knighton as the defensive line coach, Evan Cooper is the secondary coach, so not defensive backs, not cornerbacks or safeties, just uh, encapsulating secondary coach, Ed Foley as the special teams coordinator, and Corey Campbell as the head football strength and conditioning coach. So six names there, six official titles. What stands out? What are your just initial thoughts about that staff? The connections. Everybody's got a connection to Matt Rule. And that's one thing that um, Matt said in his introductory press conference was um, he, he, he's going he's gonna to be hiring assistants. A lot of them are going to be young. And if you look at the, the guys who are official right now, those six names, yeah, they're, they're pretty young. And uh, Matt Rule said in his press conference that that's exactly what he wants. He wants young guys who are going to go on the road and see six, seven, eight different kids on recruiting visits and and grind their way to the top and and make something out of their careers. And to tell you the truth, that that's music to to my ears. I I really like that, uh, like that kind of stance that he's taking with with his uh, assistance. So. I mean, looking at looking at it from top to bottom right now, I know there's a lot of unofficialness going on right now, but for the official ones, it's not a staff that maybe blows you away right away, but I think it's solid top to bottom. I, um, uh, we can get into it more and, and we will, but I'm curious on your thoughts. To me, at least it's it's not like a blow you away staff, but it's it's solid for, for um, you know, in, in Matt Rule's transition year, he wants to be surrounded by guys he knows and trusts and has worked with before. And I totally understand that. Yeah, I mean, it's not out of the ordinary for a head coach, especially a new head coach and a new spot to hire people he's worked with before, people he trusts and knows their process and knows the type of grinders they are. And Matt Rule is known as a grinder. I think um, he was on the Peter Schrager podcast. Uh, I'm not, I can't remember the title, but it was an interview with Peter Schrager on his podcast talking about um, sort of one of, he said one of the mistakes I probably made in the NFL was, was surrounding myself with with coaches who uh, who I just didn't um, didn't connect with, and I think there was a uh, a work ethic um, work ethic disconnect there where he was probably asking I guess too much um, from from NFL coaches when the college coaching game it's it's a grind and Rule has been known to have that that type of staff in in place at Temple and at Baylor so. He's surrounding himself with familiarity, comfortability, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And again, like you said, there's no star names on this list. Marcus Satterfield is the one, obviously, that stands out above the rest as far as name recognition. But you look at the other guys, and it's um, it's lesser-known coaches. But if you're not a coordinator or if your name isn't Brian Hartline, like most people across uh, college football aren't going to have name recognition as assistant coaches but what he's done here is like you said he's hiring energetic young guys who are are hungry 
hungry to prove themselves uh, at at this level and hungry to prove themselves on the recruiting trail, build relationships, get out there. And that's one A or one B that you need at Nebraska is someone who's going to be a willing recruiter and can combine that with on-field development. Yeah, absolutely. Some of the, the early names, the young names, um, Terrence Knighton, pot roast, right? He's not too, he's not too um, detached from his NFL playing days. So I, I just think that that's, that, that would be such an awesome recruiting tool for, for a guy like coach Knighton to go into a living room and tell uh, four or five star recruits, um, parents and and that recruit like, hey, I can teach you. I was just doing this a couple of years ago, right? I can teach you how to play defensive line, and I can teach you the hand techniques. I can show you how to do this because I I lived it. I did that. So there's, yeah. I mean, it, I'm just kind of uh, curious how how this staff is going to continue to come together. There's some spots that needs that need to be filled, obviously, but yeah. They're young, they're energetic. And then you got like a, a old vet like uh um Foley. Uh, uh who, who's, who's sounds... Ed Foley. Ed Foley. Yeah. I mean that that guy just screams temple tough, right? Uh he's he's gone viral a couple of times for how how I guess intense, intense I guess, is the way of, of doing it. No BS uh type of no, guy. yeah. He's all football. That guy. He's 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 funny, he's he's fun to talk, talk. Uh, football with i'm excited to maybe um ask ask him some questions and talk ball with ed foley but uh yeah special teams quarter ed ed um ed foley so yeah we can we can start getting into some of these um rambling right now but yeah it's it's an energetic um new staff that i think is gonna um maybe maybe impress some people um more than maybe looking at them and it's not really blowing you away name wise but i think they could impress you yeah, I mean, Ed Foley is going to be your dream in a press conference setting because you're going to be able to ask him ball questions. It's going to be no nonsense to the point, ball questions. And Ed, Ed Foley's 55. Um, he's the the elder statesman on the staff. You got Marcus Satterfield at 46. And then uh, from there, the the rest of the guys on the staff right now are 37 or younger. So I like, mm-hmm. like some youth, um, youth and hunger there. But wanted to highlight uh, a few of these guys, not necessarily go through extensively all of them but just a few of them um as we're sitting here today on uh thursday night when we're recording this you guys will be watching listening to this friday but starting with marcus satterfield um he was rules offensive coordinator at at temple and he was uh he was assistant coach on his baylor staff the offensive line coach for a year at, with the carolina panthers before he moved on to his most recent role as the south carolina offensive coordinator um and South Carolina, their offense, uh, it struggled a lot in his first season. Um, you get into the quarterback situation in a second that he was dealing with. Um, mm-hmm. but semi on the hot seat going into year two. I know I, I covered South Carolina for a few months for rivals back in the spring. And there were um, there was a fan base sort of not clamoring for him to be to be let go, but just not happy with him. And then he was uh, largely responsible, him and Shane Beamer, for bringing in Spencer Rattler in the transfer portal. And then the offense still struggled this year. It was around hovering around 20.7, I think, 20.5 points per game and um, seven of their SEC games. But these last two games against Tennessee and then ACC opponent Clemson, the offense exploded for 63 points in a win over Tennessee and then 31 in a, in a win over a really good uh, Clemson defense. So there's some ups and downs there, maybe some hot and cold, but what, what are your uh, overarching thoughts about the Satterfield hire and what he brings to the table? 
Yeah. So like you said earlier, just a longtime rural assistant, they first coached together in Western Carolina when Satterfield was a receivers coach in 2005. And then uh, rule once rule got the temple head coaching job, uh, Satterfield was his offensive coordinator um, for, from 2013 to 2015. And then um, again, after he got fired from Texas tech in his second season, after only winning one game, um, but yeah, then he went on to Baylor and then um, the Carolina Panthers as an assistant offensive line coach. But yeah, so with let's let's get in a little bit to his he, I think he was kind of dealt a really bad hand in his first season at South Carolina, especially at the most important position in football, the quarterback position. So going into his first season as an offensive coordinate coordinator, Luke Doty, who was the projected starter, great athlete, ter- terrific athlete. He gets injured in the preseason and is is not ready to start the season. They go into panic mode and have to and have to um, transition Zeb Nolan, the former Iowa State, North Dakota State quarterback, who was entering that program as a grad assistant coach. They turn him into they they ask him, hey, do you have any eligibility left? And Zeb's like, yeah, I got one year left. So they turn Zeb Nolan, the grad grad assistant coach to a player again and have him start the season. And I think uh, three different quarterbacks attempted to pass that season, um, 2000, 2021 for South Carolina. There was just absolutely no consistency, no rhythm at the quarterback situation. And honestly, the numbers um, just kind of, you aren't shocked when you, when you hear the numbers, they only scored 22.6 points per game. Only that was only better than Vanderbilt um, in the sec. And that ranked 114. 104th nationally um they they average um in 2021 5.3 yards per play which um um was 96th nationally again only better in the conference than Vanderbilt you never want to be by Vanderbilt um offensively in any any sort of stat um and then obviously they needed to hit the transfer portal for this season and they did that they brought in like you said Spencer Rattler and um his his core is tight end from Oklahoma, um, Austin Stogner, and the the offense got better, but it's still kind of herky jerky. I, I watch. I'm trying to go back and watch some games from South Carolina. It's it's not. It was not smooth at all. Um, outside of these last two games for sure, but they still average. They got that average scoring average up, bumped it up to 31.7 points per game. And they got that yards per play up to over six, which is 45th best in the nation. So there was a big, big jump from um, 2021, 2022 with Marcus Satterfield. Um, but yeah, it's a, they huddle sometimes. It's a pro, it's a pro style offense. Listening to some of the analysts when I'm watching these games, you know, I think it was a little tough for Spencer Rattler coming from maybe like a one read offense, spread offense at, um, Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley, where if you see something, you just make a decision and you go another way with, with Marcus Satterfield, from what I've um, read up and, and watched, it's more of a progression. The quarterback needs to, you know, there, the, the X might be on the left side and, and at Oklahoma, there was only a left and right receiver, but at South Carolina, Spencer had to kind of learn that the X can motion over and, and the Y can be over there and the Z can be over there and things like that. So it's just, maybe more detailed than, than what Spencer came, came from at Oklahoma and, and, and the Lake and Riley offense. So um, yeah, just more progression reads and and things like that. And maybe, maybe a bit more complicated than Spencer was uh, maybe ready to maybe ready to do at the beginning of this season to hit the ground running. But um, yeah, it, 
these last two games though it 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 looked a lot better i guess than it did the first you know however many games yeah and i mean we're aware of the rumblings that that Tarfield yep. may or may not have been calling the plays for those two games i mean i've been told that by multiple people not a confirmed fact just that there are um rumblings that he he may or may not have been calling all the play, the plays or maybe not all of the plays or maybe had um extra input from from another staff member so we are aware of that um and on top of on top of that is just he's known Sarfield was known this season um from people in uh South Carolina circles media that covers the team and fans that um he he had a propensity to not adjust quickly enough and not simplify not simplify the offense quite enough um for for his quarterback, for especially for for Spencer Rattler this year, I mean, you laid out all the points right there. That makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's probably a reason why it took longer for him to develop to uh, sort of hit his stride here late in the season. Um, just from some of the stuff I know, is it, the New Orleans Saints offense is one of the one of the teams that they really um, Satterfield took some of his concepts from or inspirations from at least in, in some of the things that they do. It, like I, I said in a story that went up Monday, um, sort of mixed feelings is the the proverbial phrase around uh, the Satterfield hire. Just he could be hot or cold. There there is potential there for him to be leading a, a really strong offense. But I think some of those things that we hit on simplifying the offense. But also, if you're gonna have Matt Rule, if you're gonna be working with him, I think that could also help um with collaboration there's that word fun collaboration it's been a while since we heard that one yeah it has it could be a collaboration again just want to hit on this uh jake pete's current los angeles rams offensive assistant um he's former nebraska walk-on former nebraska high school star um he's reported to be coming on the nebraska staff as quarterbacks coach potentially as the offense uh, co-offensive coordinator but that's not confirmed yet that's uh that was not one of the official hires and titles that Nebraska released today. That's just reported right now. Um, and I don't know if there would be a co-offensive coordinator title, maybe in the cards, but um, the way that they would do that is I think right now the, um, he, the tight ends coach was not in Satterfield's official title. It was just offensive coordinator, but could mm-hmm. potentially see an OC tight end coach combo there that you don't really see that often. Kevin Wilson at Ohio State, offensive coordinator, tight ends coach, but not the norm usually they're standalone oc or oc quarterbacks coach combination but you're buying two positions there that's how you potentially get another standalone quarterbacks coach in there but enough about satterfield talked about him plenty i think it warrants it i mean he is the oc he's one of only yeah. uh he's one of only three coordinators named right now along with ed foley at special teams um next one i want to talk about just going down the list uh, is is EJ Barthel at, at UConn and I mean I know fans a lot of times they'll see the name associated with it UConn oh okay just because UConn's been a really dormant program for so long but they've had a resurgence under Jim Mora and one of the telling things there's the dichotomy of the Satterfield hire where uh, the South Carolina contingent um, if you look on social media or fan reaction is all right good like that's fine. Like they weren't too beat up about it. And EJ Barthel, when that was uh, when that was reported by Nate Nate Klaus um, over at our site inside Nebraska, 
that he was going to be taking the job at Nebraska, it was like, well, damn, like <laughs> or we yeah. lost a good one. And he had running backs. He had at least one of his running backs publicly comment, like, thank you so much. Like, uh, like you've earned this. No animosity mm-hmm. there. He's taken a, a step up. I know he has a reputation as being a, one of those young, energetic recruiters who's very good at building relationships and combining that with the on-field development. So um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on Barthol. I mean, it's one of the biggest uh, positions on the staff. He's going to be replacing Brian Applewhite, who was uh, another one of the most reputable staff members from this, this previous Nebraska staff. Yeah, he, uh, you know, I, I agree with you when, whenever you kind of say UConn, um, people just kind of maybe turn turn their nose up, you know, on the football field. They're, they haven't been very good recently, and I get that. But, um, look, he's uh, his, his, his running backs at UConn have said glowing, raving reviews about him on social media, like you said. And, and you know, that that's good enough for me, honestly. He looks like a young, energetic dude, just like uh, Matt Rule said uh, in his, the, that he wanted in his introductory press conference. And look, Brian Applewhite was really good at his job. He He's a heck of a recruiter, um, developer. Um, but, you know, sometimes just errors come out, come to the end. Brian Applewhite isn't going to be on the staff anymore. So Matt Rule deserves, you know, to to have his staff and and do it how he sees fit. And if it's EJ Barthel, you know, I, I, I like what I see right now, um, you know, coaching UConn he was had some NFL experience for two years as an assistant um played the position at Rutgers so um yeah I mean I I think it's good he's got a lot of talent talent to work with in Nebraska's running back room currently well um that could always change obviously as as things start moving with the transfer portal but um yeah I like I like EJ Barthel I think the it's good to have a young guy at that position recruiting it especially yeah, and I, I don't know where um, what your school of thought is, but it seems like uh, Anthony Grant uh, probably would be leaning toward coming back. I mean, that's just yeah. a good feeling. Who knows? Um, players are entering the transfer portal. Um, mm-hmm. the transfer portal doesn't open up till December 5th officially, but for schools that made a, a switch at head coach, they have a 30-day window to enter it. And we saw Ernest Houseman, linebacker, Dakotas Crawford, receiver, Grant Banks, uh, offensive line, and uh, Gabe Hines. At, uh, at kicker um, all entered the transfer portal this week, Wednesday for Hines and Thursday for the other three. Um, but Anthony Grant and then AJ Allen obviously is the elephant in the room of he, he's one yeah. of the top priorities. He'd probably be, he was up there with Hausman and probably Hartzog as, as far as young guys, freshmen or uh, first or second year players that are priorities to keep on this staff. So if, if Barthel is able to keep AJ Allen in the fold, who's I know coming off an injury, but um, he's going to be uh, sought after in the transfer portal um, th- this offseason. But moving on down the line, quickly touch on on Terrence Knighton, pot roast, as they yep. call him, uh, another fiery guy. I think once he was hired, uh, the clip went, um, made the Twitter circles out, out in the Twitter streets um, of him kind of laying into the Carolina defensive line, or he's coming over as a, uh, previously as a defensive assistant. He was working with the defensive line. Um, especially when uh, after Carolina let go of their their previous head defensive line coach, um, mm. but again more familiarity there. He was uh, he played at at Temple when Matt Rule was there, and in 2009, uh, 08 to 2010, uh, Matt Rule was offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. But 
So Terrence Knighton was on the other side of the ball, but still there's familiarity there. And then again, on the Panthers staff, um, I'm not sure if there's much, too much that we can hit on that we haven't already, where it's just, uh, he probably is, he's going to have some reputation as an NFL guy. Again, common theme of having that reputation and recruiting. That's obviously that's such a, a, an important factor is getting guys in there who um, you can lay confidence into, into recruits and transfer portal kids that we can get you the NFL. And that, that's what something Terrence Knighton brings to the table. 100%, seven years in the NFL um, and going from Temple to the NFL getting drafted. I mean, still like Temple, Temple is a good school and everything, but I don't think it screams NFL talent. Temple does, at least in my opinion. So when a guy like Terrence Knighton, you know, comes from Temple, makes a career seven years in the NFL at a really tough position, defensive line, interior defensive line. Like you listen to guys like that who have been there and done that and and did that in their career. So I I I I'm intrigued a lot by uh, Terrence Knighton a lot for sure. I, and I, like you said, I think it just it's gonna be very it's gonna go over well when he's in living rooms and um, convincing recruits to come to Nebraska because you know he you know at one point he was probably an underrated guy who who signed with Temple and and just made something of himself and and got drafted and played seven seasons in the NFL. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, final note was uh, just on, on Knighton was um, in case you missed it on, on Wednesday um, that there, there were, uh, there was hope optimism that potentially Matt rule would be able to, to lure Elijah Robinson, defensive line coach at Texas A&M also the uh, associate head coach or assistant head coach. I, I think it's assistant head coach and run game coordinator at Texas A&M to get him over to, to Nebraska. Um, and I reported on Wednesday that, that um, Robinson, he's not, uh, he's not going to be taking any position at Nebraska. He was offered a position and declined it and elected to stay at Texas A&M. Um, or maybe he goes elsewhere, but the, the status right now is that he's not going to be joining Nebraska's staff. And I don't know what the position was that he was offered, whether it was a defensive coordinator. I assume there would be a defensive coordinator title, but I don't know that for sure um, to get him to, to jump, uh, to try and entice him to make that jump. Um, so Terrence Knighton, we weren't sure, we weren't certain whether he was head defensive line coach or he's going to be assistant defensive line coach, but that is official head defensive line coach. They have, um, they have a big presence there, literally a big body presence because he's still, still a big guy and uh, commanding voice in that, to be in that locker room. Um, uh, just to quickly head on Ed Foley and Corey Campbell. Um, Ed Foley, like we said, fiery guy. It's uh, mm -hmm. no nonsense. Uh, just to reiterate that again, um, coming over with uh, with pro credentials. Same thing uh, with Corey Campbell, assistant um, assistant strength coach under Jeremy Scott, head strength coach for the Panthers. And this is his first shot at a not not his first shot, his next shot at a bit uh, the head job. He was the head strength coach. At Baylor after um, after Jeremy Scott left to Carolina with Rule and he had a good reputation over there and the another picture that made the rounds was uh, was Corey Campbell walking around shirtless looking like Apollo Creed's dad uh, because he he's built I mean what what mm -hmm. I'm most interested in is something that we may not find out all the details on is the head the strength and conditioning program at Nebraska I mean across college football those are always kept so secretive. I feel mm -hmm. like, like it's nuclear launch codes, but um, they needed a facelift. I think we always like 
kind of mention it like at the end of podcasts or end of analysis stories of of how badly um, the overhaul was needed at Nebraska in that department. But we might mention it sort of on the flyer at the end, even though it's like it's at the core of everything they do. I mean, yeah. a, a college player spends more time with the strength coach than any other coach on the staff. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not a secret. Nebraska has been getting pushed around at the most important part of a football field, the line of scrimmage for years now. And that just obviously needs to change. And and when Matt Rule is talking like, you know, the culture and, and how he grows up and how he grew up as a coach and what he wants to do as a head coach, it all revolves around winning the line of scrimmage. It's incredibly important to start building the offensive line and defensive line. And the first thing that needs to change at Nebraska is the strength and conditioning program. Um, so, you know, with with Corey in the hell that I'm I'm really excited to see um the the kind of bodies that he builds the and and kind of the plan I guess of of what the of what they want the offensive line and defensive line to look at in Nebraska. Um uh, previously um with the with the previous staff here with the Huskers it's been just gigantic bodies but sometimes I you know size in football is great but sometimes you need you need other things you need more athletic um physiques maybe you need you need quicker moving body parts sometimes and you know strength and conditioning plays back. what's that flexibility stay healthy yeah absolutely and um those are things that I think Nebraska has struggled with recently so I think a change is needed and a change happened and you know uh with Corey it, he doesn't have a ton of experience I don't think but um you know this is like 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 uh we said earlier young hung, hungry guys looking to make a name for themselves i i just like that because i know these guys have drive um you know everybody from all walks of life you know they want to make a name for themselves and, and keep working hard and put their head down and and start doing good work and i think um Corey's a guy like that and and i'm excited to see what he does with strict and conditioning program makes sense that you would have that mentality because that's what you are <laughs> you felt like you were talking about yourself in the third person there almost and you didn't even yeah, I think everybody has a story like that. You know, they they work their they work their butt off to get to a certain point in their careers, and um, now now that they've here, they they want to make it make you know make do and and you know, I guess impress this impress somebody that that got them that job and and do good work. And yeah, I think every, everybody kind of has that story somewhere in You're their life. You're impressing me so far, Steve. You've been doing a good job. You've been doing an awesome job since uh, middle of July when you started. But yeah, thanks, boss. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there's Corey Campbell. I mean, I think it's like the the most intriguing storyline of this offseason is what he does in the weight room, what he does with that. Yeah. And it's also the storyline that we may not know or hear like <laughs> anything about. Uh, of course, that that's how it is. But um, one last person before we get out of here is the last one to touch on. Um, and that's Evan Cooper, the secondary coach. And kind of kind of cornering you. Um, with this question, but the most interesting part about that and kind of why I want to save him for last is he's listed as secondary coach. And one of the things that you, uh, you, Greg, Greg Smith, our senior recruiting analyst and, and myself have talked about in fall camp and during the season is it's interesting that Travis Fisher, the former um, defensive backs coach who was, who was let go from the previous staff, he combined, he had the philosophy of cornerbacks and safeties coaching them together, right? Like that they, the philosophies and techniques of training them weren't all that different. Um, I don't know what, if you had any thoughts on that and second, like how things might 
be similar or different. It's hard to it's hard to know right now at this point without talking yeah. to these guys. But just curious if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, when Scott Frost was around and and Eric Shenander, they had um, you know Travis Fisher doing both corners and safeties. And when Mickey Joseph took over for for the interim and and um, elevated Bill Bush to defensive corner, that that seemed like almost the very first thing that they changed. Um, and uh, Mickey was saying that, you know, you look across the NFL and there's not one one position coach for for the defensive backfield because, you know, you only have two eyes and you're you're looking at four dudes back there and in, in, in the defensive backfield, you know, sometimes it's just better to, to key it and have them be either the corners coach or the safeties coach. So, um, yeah, right now I'm, I'm interested to see um, if Evan Cooper is just going to be coaching um, corners only or safeties only or the whole all four of them back there because that that just leads me back to you know Bill Bush and and the the excellent job that he did as an interim DC um, you know he he split split the reps up basically and on the coaching side and had Travis Fisher just focusing on corners and um, Bush was taking safeties I think so um, yeah I, I'm I'm really interested in that myself it makes sense to divvy it up in my opinion just because you know, I agreed with, I, I agree with what Mickey was saying that, you know, it's, it was, you know, harder for, it might be a, just a little difficult for one guy to keep eyes on all four on four back there because, and, and really they're, they're kind of different. They're not kind of, they are different positions with being a corner and a safety. So yeah, I think it, it I, it, if I were the head coach, I I'd maybe think about divvying it, divvying it up and having a corners coach and a safeties coach, but that's just me. Yeah, that's just another intriguing part of the yeah. roster construction, the coaching staff construction, and the one of the main, uh, I mean, there's four, there's five spots left, full-time spots. Let me make sure I have that right. Um, you got receivers coach, offensive line coach, defensive coordinator, linebackers. So four quarterbacks, uh, looks like it's filled, but you can include that in there since it's not official yet we'll see what happens with the tight ends because again Satterfield's reported to be uh have a tight ends coach title but defensive coordinator obviously remains the the number one opening along with I guess you could call that an offensive line 1a and 1b um yeah. what happens with that situation you brought up a good point I wonder if the defensive coordinator comes in and has um what his background is position wise if he yeah has uh, experience coaching safeties, then Cooper can focus solely on corners or vice versa. Or what happens there, we'll know in the coming days. Maybe by uh, the time you're listening to this tomorrow, we might we might already know with the way that rule's been um, fast tracking this staff as, as he should, and is uh, is a good strategy. Um, and then just the linebackers, we were talking about this earlier. Like, are they going to have inside linebackers coach and an outside linebackers coach? They're going to combine them and then have uh some sort of uh star like starts a guy uh proven linebackers coach in there we don't know yet but uh that's one of the most uh fun parts about the off season something crazy happens every day we plan to record this uh like almost two hours before and then transfer portal stuff happened i think we got 90 minutes we got like a 90 minute window where nothing was happening today and it's like okay can relax a little bit and then nope transfer portal is uh is alive and well so uh any, any last thoughts, quick thoughts before we get out of here, Steve? Yeah, one one uh, last dumb thought that doesn't matter, but I think about is are they are they going to have an edge position? Because uh, Nebraska on on the online 
uh, roster. They they made the change from outside linebackers to edges. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested in things that nobody cares about. And if they're going to call a certain position, something, um, I I'm always interested in that. Is it going to be an edge? Is it going to be an outside linebacker? Is it going to be a defensive end? I don't know. Tune in. We'll find out. I hope they change it back to defensive end just for like, just for our sake. I like, Sometimes it's easier just to do that. Yeah. Like I'd rather write D E garrett nelson then edge garrett nelson for some reason like just rolls off the tongue and like in my head better wins de maybe i'm just an old head like that but again questions we don't know questions that we will be finding out answers to in the coming days coming weeks um we'll be analyzing that as they come at inside nebraska uh, nebraska.rivals.com and on this youtube channel the inside nebraska youtube page make sure you like and subscribe get those videos dropped right in your feed for analysis like this going forward. So once again, for Steve Marek, I'm Zach Carpenter, and we'll catch you guys again next time.